Well, good afternoon. Welcome to another daily devotion. It's great to be able to pause in the afternoon, open up God's word and see what he has to say. A very warm welcome to you this afternoon. It's great to have you with me again. If it's your first time tuning in, we've just been working our way through the back end of the New Testament, gone through a bunch of different letters, and now we find ourselves at the last letter, which is Revelation. And so if you've got your Bible, let me encourage you to open it up, turn to chapter 1. But before we turn to it, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your kindness to us, for your love, for your grace, and your mercy. And we pray that as we turn to your word this afternoon, that you would richly bless us. Help us to see Jesus Christ in his glory, in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 to 16. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. Well, yesterday we saw John once again introducing the letter. And, and John, at the end of that, heard a voice. If you, if you weren't with us yesterday, have a look at 9 to 11. This voice says in verse 11, Write what you see in a book to the seven churches. And so John, he's, he's looking one direction, and he hears a voice behind him. He hears a loud voice like a trumpet. Now, what would you do if you're John and you hear a monstrous voice behind you? You turn around, don't you? If you're sitting there and you hear someone shout out your name, you, you whip around, don't you? Well, who's talking to me? And so John hears this eruption of voice and he turns around. And it, it's interesting, isn't it, that John says in verse 12, I turned to see the voice. And, and often in Revelation, you'll get this almost this joining together of imagery where he's hearing and seeing at the same time. And so here he, he sees the voice. He doesn't hear the voice primarily, but he sees the voice. He turns around to see the one who spoke the words to him. And he turns around and what does he see? And he turns around and he sees seven lampstands. The, the word for lampstands here is, it, don't think to yourself seven individual candlesticks, you know, like a one candlestick over there and another one over there. But rather picture, maybe if you're of a previous generation, you might picture this a bit easier. But my grandmother had one of these big grand sets of candlesticks where you had one base and the one base came up and broke off into five. This one had five individual candlestands that all attached to the one main frame. And, and so John turns around and in a sense, he says, 
he sees one one candlestick or one lamp stand with seven candlesticks attached to it. That's the type of imagery John is trying to express here. Not seven individual separate realities, but seven interconnected lampstands. So one lampstand, but seven candlesticks in a sense. And it's hard for John to communicate that, but that's what he's trying to say. He sees these seven, but he doesn't say anything about them, does he? He doesn't sort of dig into what these golden lampstands are. He doesn't dig into what they mean. He's going to be told what they are later on. But something else catches his attention as he sees the lampstands, as he sees these seven candlesticks. He sees he sees one like the Son of Man. Verse thirteen: In the midst of the lampstands, one like a Son of Man. Now, when you and I think of the Son of a Man, you know, like the Son of a Man, that. That could be just anyone's son. Now, don't think when John says he sees the son of a man that he's saying he sees someone who has the image of man as if he's seeing the humanity of this person. He doesn't see the humanity of person. John, who is who is completely just absolutely engrossed and saturated with the Old Testament, he sees the son of man that we get told about in the book of Daniel. And now there's there's an important point to make here. And that is that, that John is seeing things and John is then expressing that with, with his language. And so John, who is saturated in the Old Testament, describes trying to find human vocabulary to describe what he sees uses all of this understanding that he has to put forth his explanation of what he sees. So John looks and he sees a man who is like the Son of Man. This is what I would imagine the Son of Man from the book of Daniel would look like. That's how that's sort of the, the description John's doing. This is what I saw. This is how I can describe him. He's he's the Son of Man. He's like the Son of Man that we get told about in the book of Daniel. And the Son of Man was the, the Messiah, the one who would come at the end of days. And John sees him. And John describes him. And he gives us eight descriptions. Eight descriptions of the Son of Man. So let's look at those. Firstly, he talks about his clothing. He says that he was clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash. And it's, it's the picture of a regal figure, a, a picture of someone in a position of authority. You see, the servant didn't wear a long robe. The servant or the slave had a very short-cut robe because he had to work. You can't have a long flowing robe if you've got to do labor work, do you? How are you going to dig a drain if you've got a long flowing robe? No, it was only the wealthy, only the rich. Only those in high positions of authority who wore a robe because they didn't need to do menial tasks and it was a sign of their prestige. And so here is, here is the Son of Man pictured, pictured 
with this long flowing robe and this, this sash of gold around his waist. Some suggest that maybe the sash of gold is a picture of his priesthood because the priests always had a sash upon themselves. But not only is he dressed regally like a, like a person of authority and a person of prestige and honor, but notice also what is upon his head. He's dressed, in verse 14, the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. Now tell me, what do you think of when you think of a person with white hair? Don't we say that white hair is a sign of wisdom? Now we know it doesn't guarantee wisdom, but very often if you need advice, who do you look to? You look to the elderly person with white hair, don't you? Because they've lived life. They have understanding. They have years of experience. You, you don't turn to the 13-year-old. No, you go to your parent or you go to your grandparent. You go to the one who has understanding. And so this is a picture of, of Christ's knowledge, a picture of Christ's wisdom. And, and it's interesting. He says, white like wool, like snow, because wool isn't always white. Pure wool is very white, but the normal wool on a sheep isn't actually that white, is it? But he adds this snow to highlight the fact that his knowledge is completely pure, completely full. But then not only is he dressed, not only does he have this wonderful lock of white hair, but he also has stunning eyes. His eyes, second half of verse 14, his eyes were like a flame of fire. You see, he, he wasn't old and dottery. I mean, you think about a really old person. What happens to their eyes? Often their eyes have lost that, that sharpness, haven't they? They've lost that brilliance. They've lost that spark. But not with Jesus. The eyes of Jesus are sharp and penetrating. They're all-seeing. And it's a picture of the fact that you cannot escape from the vision of Jesus Christ. You cannot get away. You would not be able to escape his sight not only does he have this all-perceiving sight, he has feet of bronze. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. It's actually really almost impossible for us to know what he means by bronze. It's actually not the word that we would normally use for bronze. It's some type of a metal, probably a very hard metal. And it's, it's the idea, it's probably at least, the idea of one who could walk anywhere. You see, not only can he see everywhere, but he can go everywhere. Jesus isn't the son of man who sits back on his laurels, but no, he walks in amongst the candlesticks, in amongst, as we'll see later, the churches. He is there and present, and nothing will stop him walking forward to do what he has to do. But then notice the, the voice he has. Verse 15. His voice was like the roar of many waters. Now I wonder if that brings any Old Testament imagery to you. Of course the Old Testament imagery is the voice of God, isn't it? Very often when God's voice was spoken of, it sounded like the rushing of many waters. If you've ever been to an impressive, a really impressive flow of water, 
whether it's the Hanua Falls, if you're in New Zealand or, or wherever you go. If you go to a really large section of waterfalls, the, the sound is intense, isn't it? I've never been to somewhere like the Niagara Falls, but I've seen videos of it and it would be incredible to stand right there. Well, the voice of Jesus, the voice of the Son of Man is like the voice of rushing waters because he speaks on behalf of God. He speaks for God. He speaks like God because, of course, he is God. And so what he's going to say to John and and in this letter is the same as hearing the very voice of God. But then notice he has something in his hand. He has seven stars, we're told. Verse 16, in his right hand, he held seven stars. This is a picture of, of authority, but also a, protect, a, a picture of protection and being a guardian. There was a picture of an emperor's child, and, and it played with seven stars in its hand as though it were toys. And of course, the picture is that of one who has the authority to just pluck the stars out. And of course, we think of the imagery of Christ, God, casting the stars into the sky and naming them all. And, and here, the stars, as we'll find out, are the, are the, the angels, the heads of the churches. And, and so G- Jesus is pictured as one who, who holds them in his hand. They're secure and safe. I, I can remember when my kids were little, we, I used to always play this, a very similar game with all of them, where they'd give me a toy, a little toy, and I'd grab it in my hand and hold it very firm. And they'd try and peel my fingers open and, and they'd get one open and they'd start on the next and the other one would go back down and they'd slowly work on all the fingers, but they could never get it open. The toy was safe and secure in my hand. As far as they were, they were concerned, nothing would ever, ever tear the toy from my hand unless I decided to open my hand. And it's that picture of Christ holding secure the servants of God, the people of God. But then notice he has a sword from his mouth. In his right hand, he held the seven stars and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. The sword was the picture of judgment and conquering. And, and Jesus, from his mouth, from his spoken word, he has the sharp sword, which can be used to judge the nations. But most importantly, as we come to the next two chapters, judge the church. You see, he's not working, he's not walking in between the world at this stage in the book. He's walking in the churches. And he comes with a sword in his mouth, speaking the word of God. But then notice his face. His face was like the sun, shining in full strength. You see, the very, the very face of Christ erupts forth light. His, his presence, his face was truly what we would call awful not in the not in the 18th and not in the 19th century onwards type but in the 14th century type an awful thing was something which commanded awe and respect and wonder and and this face that John saw was truly awful it filled him with awe like the sun how long can you stare at the sun well, if you're a foolish child, you might stare for a while, but we all know. One second, two seconds, ah, oh, we must look away. 
that we shelter our, because it's so bright. And the face of the Son of Man, who of course is Jesus, was so brilliantly bright that you would not be able to gaze on it for any period of time. This is none, none other than God. This is John wrestling for vocabulary to describe the King of glory. The King of glory, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. And it's a stunning picture, and it's a fantastic picture for us today. In all of the turmoil of the church, as the church is oppressed and attacked, and, and for, the, for the churches which were receiving this letter, who were facing persecution for John, who was sitting on Patmos Island, this was a sorely needed reminder that Jesus is God. He is reigning. He is on the throne. He has the sword. He has the voice. He has the son. The emperor is a nobody. Jesus, Jesus is the king of kings. And it's no less true today. The same imagery is there for you and I. As we, as we doubt and struggle and wrestle in what's going on around us, as we see COVID, as our businesses fail, as sickness ensues, we have no idea what's going on. As our governments begin to betray trust and peace and logic for the sake of madness and foolishness, Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we have hope. Oh, let us not be afraid. Tomorrow we'll see Jesus comfort John. And he'll say, don't be afraid. And let me pre-comfort you now. Don't be afraid. Jesus is still walking amongst the lampstands. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. Jesus Christ, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for this beautiful picture of you as the reigning Son of God. Help us never to fear. Help us to trust you with everything we have. We acknowledge that we are quickly broken, quickly afraid. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's wonderful to be able to open up God's Word again. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to seeing you back here, same place, same time tomorrow, for another daily devotion. Have a most blessed evening.